I ended up in, in Daytona Beach last week. I know, it's a terrible job to go to Daytona Beach. But it, it, it kind of sucked because I was by myself and it was for work. So I get there. <clears throat> I'm like, man, there's a lot of motorcycles around here. <laughs> Come to find out it was bike week. It was like 500,000 motorcycles in Daytona Beach. And I don't know how I got a room because, I mean, everybody was, like, booked up. And I literally, I go into the hotel and had to wait in line because there's just bikers everywhere um, just waiting in line to get in there. And I was like, what am I doing here? Um, but I had to stay, and, and uh, it was pretty cool. I walked down, uh, and it's neat. Kind of talking about what we were talking about in worship, too. Uh, once you're born again and, and the Lord gives you this new life, he gives you a little bit different perspective. And uh, as I travel, I've got plenty of freedom to really do whatever I want. Uh, I'm thankful that my wife trusts me <laughs> that I don't do anything crazy. But at the same time, uh, I, I, I'm blessed and cursed with seeing things to their end, if that makes sense. Uh, I can remember a day when, like I was talking about this morning, when I considered certain things fun or certain things that I thought I didn't want God to take away or certain things that I had control over and I wanted you know, to do my own thing kind of deal. But now, <clears throat> now, since I have the Holy Spirit, I can't. I see past those things because all those things were s- such a low bar to shoot for back then. I really thought that they were good, but they really weren't that good. Even the music I listened to, some of it was good quality as far as talent goes, but the, the verses and a lot of the lyrics, I grew up listening to a lot of uh, just really hard rap music just in the culture that I was in. And, and, and it identified with my situation and where I lived and the culture that I lived in. Um, and, and honestly, being a minority in my school and learning how to, how to function in that, it, it was interesting it never gave me the answer. <laughs> it identified with my condition, and I appreciated that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it never gave me a way out. It never gave me a, a, a solution to it. And once I discovered a solution, it's hard to go back to just identifying with the problem. And so I, I'm the same way with everything now. Uh, I walked the, the whole strip. I, I Googled where it was, and it was only like three blocks from my hotel. And so I was like, well, I like motorcycles. Most of you guys know I like anything internal combustion. I like any kind of motor, anything. So I was like, I'll go check it out and go walk around. And so I did. I went down Main Street and checked out all the uh, bikes. Most of them weren't that cool. Not a lot of really cool custom builds. It was just like a bunch of Harleys with chrome bolted on them. Um, not really my thing. But, uh, but at the same time, I just saw people. Like, as I, as I walked through... I saw people just going through life, and some of them just talking about motorcycle stuff. Some of them actually were, had Bibles they were giving out of their motorcycles, had these murals painted on their bikes and stuff. And then saw, you know, scantily clad women, you know, uh, trying to draw people into some of the bars and getting business and different things like that. But I just looked at all the people, and I could just see, you know, all these people. And, I mean, we're just, we're all the same. They're all hungry for the same thing. They were just in different, different walks of life, young people, old people, proud of their motorcycles, you know, talking about different things and, and doing some wild stuff and, and just different stuff. Um, but at the same time, once I was done with that walk, whatever, I was like, well, you know, I remember a day where I would really be wanting to be a little bit more a part of this, nothing wrong with motorcycles or anything. But I kind of got bored with it pretty quick. I was like, you know, and I was looking if there was opportunity for prayer or anything like that, but I didn't really find it. Um, but I was, you know, I'm in a polo shirt for work <laughs> and jeans walking around Everybody's in like a leather Harley jacket, so I kind of stood out like a sore thumb too. Um, but anyway, I went back to the hotel, uh, watched American Pickers and Alaskan Bush people and ate pizza. It was, it was a wild night, wild night. But at the same time, uh, I remember praying, praying for everybody that I kind of encountered that day and just thinking about different, imagining their walks of life and what they're doing and what they're going through. And it was just interesting because I could see, you know, I, had any, I could have all the freedom. All night I could have partied or, you know, done whatever, whatever, partied and done all kinds of crazy stuff, but I could see I've done that in the past, and I know how, how that ends. I know, I know how limited that is. Does that make sense? 
I know for a moment, okay, let me say it this way. And it, I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this because I want, what I want to talk about, if I can get to both of them, I'd like to talk about sin and freedom. I want to talk about sin first. Uh, how many of you, see how I can word this, how many of you want to sin? <laughs> That's a tricky question. All right. How many of you have ever wanted to sin? Is that a better one? Okay. How many of you, uh, for the reason that uh, it's attractive or, or, you th- or you think it will be enjoyable? That makes sense, right? Um, and I could say that was probably why. If you know me well enough, I like to get to the core of everything. I don't like to hang out on the surface. So if we dive deep pretty quick, I apologize ahead of time. But the reason I'm saying this is because I want to get to the heart of what we want to do. Uh, we talk about it a lot, and I say, well, you know, our want to changes, and that's true when the Holy Spirit comes, comes inside us. But at the same time, I want to I address sin as both uh, noun and verb. And I don't want to bore you with too much English, but you know, most of you know what a noun and a verb is. Verb is action. Noun is person, place, or thing. Um, the majority of Scripture that talks about sin is talking about a noun, which is like a place. We've come out of sin into new life. And there are Scriptures that talk about sinning, um, which is the act of sinning. But what I want to get to first is the definition of sin. Um, and I'm going to skip ahead because I want to save you a little bit of time. Sin is missing the mark. This is the, the, from Webster's Dictionary, and then I even go all the way back to the Greek. Missing the mark, hence guilt, sin, a fault, failure, in an ethical sense. And then in the Greek, it's hamartia. I may not be pronouncing that right. Uh, sin, forf- forfeiture, because missing the mark. Now listen to this. This is really cool. <clears throat> is the brand of sin emphasized its self-originated, self-empowered nature, i.e., it is not originated or empowered by God. So not faith, not of faith, his in-work persuasion. Does that make sense? How many of you think that, or have thought in the past that sin is making a bad decision, Right? Sin is doing the wrong thing and not the right thing. Now, in an ethical sense, in a moral sense, that's kind of true, and I can see that, and there's nothing wrong with morality, but I want to go a little bit deeper than that. <clears throat> I want to get to the core of this. Uh, so, from what I see in Scripture, and, and I'll, I'll show you some Scriptures that talk about it too, but I want to try to describe it the best I can in, in layman's terms. We were in a place of sin because of the fall, right? Uh, because of one man, Adam, we fell. So we were, we were born into the situation that we're in. We're in sin. Christ came for redemption, we accepted that, and we got new life, and so then we are now born again into righteousness, right? Okay. Now, this subject has come up lately throughout the last couple weeks between me and several friends and me and several, several acquaintances, and I don't think it's any coincidence because it's several different people that don't know each other, but it talks about eternal security and the whole once saved, always saved, you know, all that thing. Well, once saved, always saved is kind of a man-made term, um, but basically what it means is most of you know, once you're saved, you can't get away from it. You know, grace covers everything, and you can't out-sin grace. And that can, it basically means that you can't lose your salvation, which is another man-made term, as if you're going to misplace it somewhere. Um, <laughs> but what I want to get to is the core of that as well. Salvation, what, what, are we, what are we losing? What are we losing here? Our right standing with God, can that be lost? I don't believe that it can. And here's why. If it did... How, he would have to throw out so many scriptures about how he would never leave you or forsake you. They, he would have to add, unless you sin. <laughs> you know, or, you know, you can never be plucked out of his hand unless you sin. There are lots, there's so many scriptures. There's a few scriptures that people will use that talk about knowing and knowledge, and, and they're actually two separate things. Um, there are people that know or have knowledge of God, 
and fall away. That's not knowing in the intimate term in the Greek, knowing. So there's a lot of separation there, and I'm not going to get into all the arguments because I don't, I don't really need to do that. I don't feel like we need to do that. But what I want to say is, how could we ever have a solid foundation if we don't have eternal security in Christ? How could we ever... And I remember questioning this a lot growing up, especially after I got saved and, and in a lot of the culture, church culture that I was in. I questioned it a lot to understand, you know, we have free will. Why couldn't we walk away from Christ, right? Why couldn't we just leave and quit? And many of you guys know my story. For about a year and a half, I tried to look at Christianity objectively as though I wasn't a part of it. <laughs> and because I had a friend who was an atheist and we were debating back and forth, and I was like, maybe I've been duped. I mean, I was being, ser- I was being genuine. Maybe I've been duped here. Maybe I... I have had some emotional scars from growing up, and maybe some people came in and, and made me feel better about myself. Let me try to look at this objectively, not from a Christian perspective, but from an outside perspective. And that was one of the most miserable year, about a year and a half that I've ever spent, because I was trying to live outside of my identity, and it didn't work. It was, it was horrible. The reason is, I can't undo what Christ did. I, I'm just not strong enough. <clears throat> And the reason I say that is because there's, there's a, a kind of an attack on a lot of quote-unquote grace preachers, and I don't consider myself to be some, some separate doctrine as far as it's not like it's not the gospel, like I'm preaching, preaching some new age grace message. This is the gospel. Grace is Christ, and Christ is grace. And the fact of the matter is, if grace doesn't cover our sins, then we're all in trouble. <laughs> and I have a, I'm not in a good position to be helping you guys at all. Um, and then there's this, this leads to the next conversation, which is, well, can you, uh, uh, does grace give you a license to sin, or can you, how much, uh, how can you put it, like, can you out grace, basically, can you, can, can you sin so much that you, uh, that you just completely forget, I don't know if you forget that you're a Christian, or you're, you're completely separated from God, basically. What a, what, an, what a terrible emotional roller coaster that would be if that's how we lived our lives. In the midst of giving our testimony, we'd, we'd be, how would we convince people, how would we convince people to, to get on board with what we believe? You know, join me, it's great, we've got eternal life, sort of, temporarily, maybe, you know. And in the midst of your conversation, you could, you know, well, maybe I'm judging this person or I look down real quick, you know. Well, nope, I don't have it anymore. That's one, what's one end, that's kind of a radical end, but that's taking it all the way to its end. How far, how far can you go? Scripture tells us you can't. You can't out grace. There's no way to do it. And so then the question is, well, what about unrepentant or willful sin? And these are a lot of phrases that I get from people that want to argue that side. And I've read several articles recently that, that are very accusatory and argumentative that way. And in doing so, what they're saying is, can you, <laughs> as though, and I'll tell you this, all sin that the believer has is willful sin. We, we all will be willful if we, if we are sinning. We know what we're doing. It's not like we accidentally sin very often. Um, but the whole idea is this unrepentance. And where they get unrepentance from is their own version of repentance, which is feel really bad about your sin, which we know that's not what repentance means. Repentance, all the way back to the Greek, means metanoia, which is renewing and changing of your mind. I imagine it like, a, like ge- uh, gears, because I'm a gearhead, but <clears throat> I imagine it like gears or timing. Let's say timing. If you know anything about cars, if the car's off timing, it won't start. It's firing at the wrong time. If you move it over one click, it'll bust off and run. It's great. That's changing the way you think. That's kingdom-minded thinking. We talked about this morning in worship. You're part of a kingdom now. You see things from a different perspective. The way I saw people 
when I went to, to Daytona Beach, I saw them differently than I saw them 10, 20 years ago, right? I, everything that I do is different now. And I can't undo that. That was done by God. When he, when he took me from a place of sin and placed me in righteousness, it was a place I couldn't get on my own. And if I say that I can do that, or, or if he needs my help to do that, then I'm saying that, that what he did wasn't enough, that his blood wasn't good enough, and that his sacrifice wasn't good enough. And the father said he was pleased to crush the son. How could he say that? Because he could see past what was happening. He could see the resurrection. He could see the new life. We've talked about the twofold. He died for our sins, but he also resurrected to give us new life. So when we live this new life, we live from a new perspective. So this, unrepent- this, this idea of unrepentant sin, um, how, can that, how can that be? It can't, I don't believe it can be. Um, all right. The next question is Freedom. And I'll, let me define freedom real quick for you, and then we'll, I'm going to go through some scriptures, and we'll get to that. Where did I put freedom? Somewhere. I thought I defined freedom. Freedom, the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Uh, part of our problem that, that, that most, a lot of the disciples didn't even get for years, and Jesus was so frustrated with, is he, began, he constantly told them about kingdom ideas and, <clears throat> and spiritual ideas, and they were looking at everything in the natural. Who's first? He's like, oh, you guys are killing me. Yeah, but who's first? He's like, did you not listen to anything I said? What he was trying to show them was a kingdom perspective. You don't get it. This old covenant's leaving. The very least in this new covenant's going to be greater than John the Baptist. And they're like, oh, yeah, but who's first? Who's going to be first when we get to heaven? No, 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 you don't get it. The kingdom, of, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is here. I've come and I brought my kingdom with me, and you're going to be a part of that kingdom. So the least of you is greater than anybody before you. So anyway, he was frustrated with that. So this freedom, freedom is always a threat to people who seek to control you. It's always going to be a threat. We've talked about um, uh, Isaac and Ishmael. There's, there's always going to be a conflict there. There's always going to be a conflict between especially a pastor that, that gives his congregation freedom to, to commune with the Holy Spirit or a pastor that seeks to control people um, to make sure that they're, they're acting right and doing the right things. Now, another misconception with a lot of grace preachers is that we just throw out all practical wisdom and discipleship and, and, uh, and learning and understanding, and that's completely far from the truth. If you guys have been here at least a week, you know that we have all kinds of small groups where we get together and we talk about life issues and life problems, and we learn and we grow and we, we, we confess our sins to one another like the like Bible tells us to, um, and we remind, here's what's great, and you guys do it with me, and I try to do the same with you, we remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. We remind ourselves of the righteousness of, of, of who we are and what, um, who bought us and what's been paid for us um, and how valuable we are, and we, we hear from the Holy Spirit and we see... Uh, people's potential. We don't, we don't look at um, all of their problems and all their issues. Now, we can address those in relationship over time, but our, our first and foremost, and it's amazing to see you guys do this, is you see people for, who, for, for how God sees them. To me, that's church. That's the church that I want to be a part of. That's church that goes outside these doors and begins to give life to people. And we talked about last week the difference between uh, choosing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Any of you can go out there and tell people right from wrong. It's not hard. It's pretty easy, actually. Um, and all those people that you're telling know very well right from wrong. 
Morality is not a hard thing to grasp. We all have consciences to some extent. Though we're tricked sometimes, like I talked about with, with sin um, and things that we do that we think are going to fulfill us, they don't fulfill us. That's not just right and wrong thing. That's just complete not, not understanding of who we are. That's an identity issue. And so there's these two things. There's sin and freedom. Well, uh, if we have freedom, are we free to sin? Yeah, I mean, if you want to sin. But, it, but, but the issue is... <laughs> All right, I'm going to skip way ahead. I've got several scriptures that talk about sin. I literally Googled sin and scriptures that talk about sin, and there are tons of them. And I'm going to give you two pages of them, and I don't rattle off a bunch of... I try to, I try to look at things in context, but this is really good to see this from where, everywhere it says it, because I really like how, how it, it shows us kind of where we are. Um, in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six, it says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Who likes death? <laughs> Who wants to do those things? Who enjoys being under law? Who enjoys that? Romans 3, 20 says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Mark always told the story about the kids that, uh, I don't remember who it was, somebody invited them over and, and, and they said, you can do anything you want out at this ranch, got all these cool things to do, um, just in the garden in front of the house, don't spit in that garden. <laughs> that was the only rule. And he watched as all those kids walked by and looked around and then spit in the garden, <laughs> every single one of them. Because what law does is it, 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 it raises up the sin nature in us. It's like, don't tell me what to do, I'll do what I want to do. That's what it does, it sparks that. You guys remember my, Tracy calls my talk rap? my spoken word thing that I wrote about the bees. That's what law does. It pokes like a beehive. You didn't even realize sin was there. And then law comes in and goes, hey, you're messed up. And then you get so consumed by it. It's like bees. You're like, I can't do this. I need somebody to help me with this because I'm I'm overwhelmed with this sin. Now that it's been identified to me, that's what the law does. It pokes and prods at it. So he's he's showing you that right there. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. There's a solution, love. Uh, that's First Peter four eight. First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. Romans three twenty three says, for all have sinned and fall short for the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. First Peter two twenty four says, He Himself bore our sins. He Himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Romans 6.1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that, so that grace may increase? By no means. <laughs> we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? You guys remember me bringing Brian up here and trying to convince him to be alive when he was dead? How many of us have we got, after we got saved, after we were born again, tried to drag around our old lives? How many of us, even when we try to let it go, the enemy tries to remind us that that's who we are, and that old life is dead? Dead. It doesn't get any deader. So what happens? What happens when we are, okay, this life is dead. I'm trying to get us to the end here. This life is dead. Why are we still tempted by sin? Are, we still, are you still tempted by sin? Yes, I am. I'll tell you I am. Even though we're Christians now, we're still tempted by sin. Why is that? If we're dead to sin, why are we tempted by sin? Does anybody know? <laughs> we're human. That's true. I think we're human. Yeah, we're human. But here's, here's what it is. We're still tempted by that because in, in... Let me see how I can put this. All right. Our own... 
Uh, I don't want to go that far. In our own in our own misinterpretation of our identity in Christ, we can be tricked into thinking that we're something we're not. So what happens is we talked about fear. Fear is anticipation of, of something dangerous happening. So there's this, uh, I look at movies. We watched a really good movie yesterday. You look at movies, and they're so real when you're watching them, right? You don't see the boom mics. You don't see the sets. All you see is what, what whoever's creating the movie wants you to see. And I can, I can tell you there's been times when my heart will begin to race when I watch a movie and the music begins to come up and I feel like I'm there with them, right? Why is that? Because it feels real. This is why we're const- our minds are constantly renewed. Do you remember we've talked about this is where we are, this is where we're righteous, this is where it's done deal is in our hearts? This is, this is where, um, unfortunately, we've, we've been afraid. Be careful of the lies what you see, be careful of yours what you hear. When we should have been taught, be mindful little heart who you are so that you can live out outside. When he mentions love here, living outside yourself is a gift. We talk about losing our lives for Christ. Uh, lose your life so that you can gain it. That's a gift. Any of you in here that have experienced that know that it's more fulfilling to help people than to be self-centered, self-righteous, because that's self-consuming. So these temptations that we have are temptations to go back to any form of self-righteousness, any form of, of, of uh, self-help, any form of some program that's going to make you something that you already are. And I've told, I've told you guys a long time that, that we don't need to be persecuted in America because we're not persecuted like they are in other countries. The enemy, the, Satan is completely fine keeping you distracted. It makes no difference to him. He doesn't need to kill you. You just get to go to heaven. See it in its fullness. But if he can keep you distracted... If he can keep you trying to get something you already have and not knowing who you are and using the power that you have to minister to other people and to help other people and to share the good news, then he's good with that. Why are we so tempted with sin? Weren't we freed from sin? We were freed from the bondage of sin, the noun sin. Sinning is the verb sin. What, what was the... Let's go back to the definition of sin. Ah, where's my definition of sin? Listen to this. This is good. Definition of sin is self-originated, self-empowered nature. You don't have that anymore. It is not originated or empowered by God. Now let's look at Romans 14, 22. So whatever you believe about these things, believe. Whatever you believe about these things, keep, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So he's, he's ending something, talking about eating, what not to eat, what to eat, talking about law and, and these different things, and if I have time, I'm going to get into that. Um, but what he's saying is, everything, I underlined and made this bold, everything that does not come from faith is sin. So anything that's not originated in Christ is sin. So yeah, we're still tempted to do things that are not originated in Christ, because there's lots of things that are not originated in Christ, to be honest, that are around us. There are lots of things that don't come from faith. There are lots of things that are around us that, that we can be tempted by because they offer us a temporary solution or they offer us a temporary escape is a better word. And I've told you before, most if not all addictions are just attempts to escape the reality that you're in. This is why identity is so important because once you realize the reality that, you in, the reality that you're in is the reality of righteousness in Christ. Once you realize that, you don't have to try to escape it. All right, um, that's really good. I'm going to say that again. 
most, if not all, addictions are attempts to escape a reality. They're attempts to escape a reality that you think that you're in. And if you're not born again, you may actually be in. But if you're born again, that's not the reality that you're in. When you're born again, you live from that reality towards everything else. So then you're not trying to escape circumstances because we have diplomatic immunity. We live outside of constraints with our current circumstances. That's why poor, rich, um, oppressed, not oppressed, hurt, happy. These things are good. These things can add or take away from, from our experiences, but they don't define who we are. Does that make sense? So we live from the righteousness that Christ bought from us. We live from the reality of who we are, and we live outside of ourselves so that we can show other people their identity and, and see their full potential. Now, going back to, and I'm all out of order here. Um, <clears throat> where's freedom found? Uh, freedom is found in the Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord lives inside us. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation Woo-hoo! for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is, what, this is what the Jews wanted. They wanted a geopolitical leader to come in and take over and they dominate Rome and do all this stuff. And they thought their enemies were people and situations and circumstances and oppression. But Jesus knew that their, that their issue was sin, death, and hell. And he knew their issue was deeper than what they even saw. And he defeated those things. They just didn't see it. So he's saying he came to set you free from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> For what the law has... For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful nature to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that, <clears throat> in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled and fully met in us. Fully met in us. <laughs> Who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. I didn't put down, I didn't write down what scripture this is. I think it's Romans 5.1. It's 5.1 somewhere because I, I lost my place and I lost my page. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Uh, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again to a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. He's talking about Old Covenant and going back to that. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For though the Spirit we eagerly await by faith, the righteousness for which we hope, for in Christ Jesus neither neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? A lot of people talk about grace and truth like they're two separate things. This is the truth. Grace is the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from one who calls you. Come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, um, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why then am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Basically saying... I know. Basically saying, 
either live by the law or live by grace. There, there's no in-between. Either, either, either you live by the law and you better obey all 613 of them, and you want to circumcise yourself, <laughs> you might as well just go all the way. I wish you'd just do the, go ahead and just take it all off. <laughs> he's, he's frustrated because they started and they understood it, and then they're, being trying, to draw, they're trying to be drawn back into just outward constraint instead of inward transformation. Like screaming at a, uh, screaming at a, what are they called? Uh, caterpillar, screaming at a caterpillar, telling them to be a butterfly. It's an inward transformation. You can't make him do it from the outside. Be a butterfly, be a butterfly. <laughs> the fruit, produce fruit. It's an inward transformation. It's Galatians, hi, I found it. It wasn't Romans. Galatians 5.13, it goes on to say, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Now listen, this is, this is where some people get into confusion. You were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. He's giving you the answer again. He immediately gives you the answer to any issue you may run into. Serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Living outside yourself is more beneficial than trying to fill your life with temporary happiness or temporary joy. Living outside yourself, you begin to see and experience eternal joy, and it'll ruin some things for you for the better. It'll ruin some of those temporary things that you thought were so great because you won't be tempted by them anymore. This is, this is what's cool. Oh, this is what's cool about this. And I've, I've got a lot, more, a lot more to say that I've got all out of order. But I want to I wrap up with this. <clears throat> when, when you walk through life, you're going to see things and you're going to experience things. Good things, bad things, tempting things, not tempting things, whatever. What's going to happen, and I speak from experience, is the things that you used to be tempted by, the more you live outside of yourself, the more you begin to love other people, the more you begin to serve um, and, and see and experience those things the less you'll be tempted to do, the less fulfilling things. And here's the cool thing. Even when you do, even when you do fall and you go, I think I might really still like this. And you go and you do it. And you, what happens? You all know what happens. You immediately regret it, right? You go, I shouldn't have done that. That was not as fulfilling as I thought. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers. Always. It always puffs itself up as something really, really great and then leaves you flat on your face when it's done. And it doesn't take long to get there. But what is sin? Think about this because it's not just making bad decisions, although it kind of follows that sometimes. Go back to what the definition of sin is. It's living outside of your identity. It's living outside of the faith that you have in Christ. It's living outside of of the reality that God has for you. But here's the thing. Even when you do it, God doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. Think about this. Think about if one of my kids walked up on the stage and then jumped off and fell and hurt themselves. And they came back up and said, ow, you know, Daddy, I hurt myself. And I said, sorry, kicked him off the stage. (laughs) You shouldn't have done that. Right? And that's the way we think sometimes. You willfully jumped off of there. How repentant are you? And then, and, then I, and then I've got to judge how repentant they are. Okay, pray for a week and come back and talk to me, right? Um, how bad do you feel? 
Who, I mean, do you know what I mean? Do you see the, the, the thinking behind that? And I'm sorry, but if you haven't felt bad enough in a week and you die, you go to hell. I don't, I don't see that character in Christ through the scriptures that I read. I don't see that character in, in a father that says, now you're my friend, now you're my heir, you're my co-heir, you're, you're, you're a king, you're a queen in, in my kingdom. You're, you're a son, you're a daughter. Yeah, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're so good that I've put my Holy Spirit in you. I don't see that character. Being a father now, learning, learning how to be a father sometimes in reverse, learning from my heavenly father because I didn't have a father around when I was younger, and then learning how to be a son by seeing how, how, how they relate to me, how my kids relate to me. It's weird how it works. It's really weird. Um, but I grow each day that I, that I understand that clear. I understand that relationship clear, and I see how, I see how good he is, and I see how he treats me the way that I want, I want better for my kids and I want good things for my kids. Does that mean there's no discipline? No, I discipline my kids. Does that mean there's no uh, practical wisdom? No, we teach our kids. We don't, we don't abandon, you know, we don't, we're not just running around here like hippies, nothing wrong with hippies, but not like, like oh, just free love. No, this is serious. Grace is real. This is... This has brought us to new life. This has brought me from death to life. I mean, this is, this is a, an incredible responsibility that, now that we have to share the good news. This is good. But it, it's not just, we don't just take it flippantly like, oh, we believe in grace and, uh, you know. <laughs> go, 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 go damage your life. No, I mean, we're not stupid. <laughs> I don't think we are. I mean, I mean, I may not be the smartest person in the world, but I mean, we, we understand I don't want, I don't want, and this, I, I don't know, I don't want my family and friends to go down the same roads that, that, that I've seen or that I've experienced. You know, I want to help them. But here's the key. I don't want to help them in my own strength. Because I, I know, I know how weak I can be. But what I want to help them in is the strength that, the, that Christ gave me. And that's his Holy Spirit. And I want to, I want to come alongside them and walk with them and love them. But I don't want to be the only one they depend on. I want to show them a better way. I want to show them a Holy Spirit that they can speak to. And I want to show them freedom in Christ. Listen, freedom will put you in a peculiar position because it'll, it'll, it will force you to address your issues. If you depend on me or somebody else to address them, you, you, can, you can pretty much live within whatever boundaries they create for you, how tight or how wide they are, right? And that's seriously easier, Right? But when I say you're free to do whatever you want, now you've got to deal with what you want to do. Amen. Sorry. What do you want to do? Let's get to the heart of the thing. What, yeah, does it glorify God? If not, why not? What's your end game? Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to do what you want to do? At the very core of everything that we do here, I try to look at that when we have staff meetings and we talk about different things. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we reaching out to the children's home, Alabama Baptist Children's Home? Why has God placed this connection? My, my good friend Dana that, that is over there and, and then um, Katie and, and you guys have a heart for this. And why is that? Why? Because we know, I know, Dana knows, Dana grew up in the children's home. He's seen 
the drugs and alcohol and abuse growing up, and he, he was placed in that foster care, and he grew up in there, and they put him through college, and they took care of him, and it's a good ministry. I, I don't care if it's Baptist or I don't care what it is. I'm not worried about denominations. They're doing a good thing, and we want to be a part of it. And we want to support them. We know in Honduras we have good friends there. We don't care about denomination. We know that Kim and Pablo and, and all those guys, are. we know what they're doing there. We want to support them. We know the end goal, and they want to spread the gospel. Listen, don't, don't get caught up in the surface of things. Get to the core of why we do what we do. This is why we do what we do. We don't want to see people take the wrong path and go down these roads, but we don't, we don't want to limit them by our own we don't want to limit them by our own ability to try to try to control them because carry that to its end and it'll crush you both. I promise you it'll crush you both because at the end of it, you'll go, I messed up and now, now they've fallen back into it. Or, or, or I mean, I, you can carry it any, any direction you want to. But then where does that put you? Then now, now it's my fault that that happened. And it's not a good place to be. Now, I'm not going to give you cliches about let go and let God and do all these things, but, <laughs> but I will tell you that, that there, there's incredible liberation in being free to, to just, ca- the, the scripture talks about casting seeds out and he will produce the crops. There's great liberation and freedom to do that when you can love people without always expecting something in return. That's not loving, that's, that's not giving, that's trading. And we could get into relationships. Don't, even in your relationships, don't always give expecting something in return emotionally because you'll both be disappointed. Give freely. I'm, I'm rambling now, and I've gotten way off topic, but you guys stand up with me. I, I want to pray for you. Um, <clears throat> I tell you just uh, at the beginning of service, the Lord really... Even into this, I didn't even get into it, and we'll hopefully get into it next week if that's the Holy Spirit still speaking to me, about joy. Um, I really wanted to get to, to the end of that and get to joy, but, but the, Lord, the Holy Spirit's really been speaking to me about joy um, and about stirring, just, a, just kind of a laughter and, and a smiling. It seems kind of simple, but when you get into it, it gets a little bit deeper than that. Uh, many of us have lots of, um, lots of things that we've been convinced of as we've grown up. Uh, Jasmine actually brought that reality to me years ago when we, we used to meet for Gen X was we've been told all these things growing up and so we count them as truth and so we don't know any different until someone tells us the real truth. And so you, you guys, most of you guys have had several years to grow up in, in developing and living by your experiences and going, okay, this is my reality. Well, sometimes that takes time to unwind and God begins to speak his reality into you. Now what comes along with that is pure joy. What comes along with that is freedom. What comes along with that is uh, just a manifestation of his Holy Spirit in you, and you begin to kind of bubble over in joy. And so there's something to that. I, I just really feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me, and if it's for specifically a few of you guys or all of us together corporately, um, I want to ask you to be praying for that this week. Um, and text me, call me, whatever, if you hear anything from the Lord. Many of you guys have gifts that I don't have, uh, but I'm always always open to hear what the Lord's speaking to you in the same subject. But I'm just hearing the Lord, the Lord talk about just pure laughter and pure joy, and it's something that, that I think uh, a lot of us, especially in church culture, have not uh, been free to do. <laughs> like, we feel like we always have to be serious all the time, and, and, and we've got to do this stuff, and there's a time for that too, but there's a time to be happy. And I believe, I believe the Lord has that for you, and he has pure joy, and it's not, 
governed by circumstances. It's by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. So, um, Lord, we just pray right now that, that um, you would continue to renew our minds this week. This, we are still in process. And so as, as your Holy Spirit is, is in us and has sealed the deal and has, has, uh, has made us righteous, Lord, continue to, for us to live out of that and renew our minds every day of who we are in you. And not only that, but reveal to us who you are in other people. And so as we run into them and we bump into them and, and uh, you know, we, we, we see them out in the street or at work or at school, Lord, that we, we would see them like you see them. Lord, you're not intimidated by their sin. You're not intimidated by your, you, you know, your, your co- co-worker that cusses or, or, you know, or is a jerk, you know, whatever. Uh, Lord, you're not intimidated by that. Why are we intimidated by it? So, Lord, uh, help us to see the good in people. Help us to see... Um, that, that God-shaped hole in people and so that we can begin to show them who they are in you. Lord, just continue to reveal that to us and, and just remind us of that as we go out through the week, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.